The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to The Gift with Robert Pruitt. This hour will motivate you to understand your significance and live your vision. It's a weekly discussion of a variety of topics designed to help you create a loving world through acts of service and more. Now, here is your host, Robert Pruitt. Welcome to The Gift, a conversation about the ways that we can effectively serve others. And I think one of the strongest points that I could make and that I've learned in almost 43 years of living uh, is that in order to serve others effectively, we must have a relationship with ourselves. Um, you know, some people use, there's a big term that's called intrapersonal skills development. And what it means is a person that is assertive understands what their needs are and they can express and meet those needs, they also are able to identify and express their emotional state. And when we find people in our lives that are assertive, we find people that have a healthy relationship with themselves. And when it comes to dating, a lot of times what we end up doing with the people that we date is recreate um, the things about ourselves that we don't like. Uh, we recreate old relationships. Uh, sometimes the people that we date um, are representative of where we'd like to be in our lives. So, you know, if, if I struggle with low self-esteem or, or if my confidence is, is weakened, I might get into a relationship with somebody who has a very strong and dominant personality because that's what I aspire to have, only to find out that that creates conflict. Um, and then we, again, you know, this, we also get into relationships that are loving and nurturing and supportive. And so to serve others effectively requires that we create relationships with people that uh, are nurturing and supportive and that we also nurture and support ourselves. And so this show for me, um, you know, I want to thank my guest Maddie, who has been on before uh, and is part of our NSLC or National Student Leadership Conference family. Uh, she participated in a couple of our leadership programs. You know, she came to me with this idea weeks ago, hit me up on Facebook, and was like, hey, Prue, why don't we do a show on teen dating and domestic violence? And I was like, perfect. And having spent several years with the YWCA in Annapolis, Maryland, facilitating men's groups uh, for men that are court-appointed, uh, to go through a batterer's intervention program, this was right up my alley. Um, and so I only, you know, I only want to share by way of context this one statistic that suggests that one in ten teen girls 
and one in 11 teen boys admits to having experienced physical violence in a dating relationship in the past year. One in three teens say they know someone who has been physically assaulted or hurt by a dating partner. So I think when we talk about domestic violence, all too often it is commonplace for us to talk about physical or sexual abuse. And certainly that is very prominent. But there are also the other subtle forms that are usually in play long before the physical or the sexual abuse manifests. And we'll use this show to kind of go through what it means to be or what manipulation and coercion do. Uh, to relationships. But I, I really want to turn this over and say first, hello, Maddie. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you. And I guess I should say welcome back. <laughs> um, and thank you uh, for your willingness uh, to be transparent, your willingness to take your experience and, and share it. And one of the things that I always tell people when we talk about having gifts, it's our talents, skills, abilities, and our experiences, and we can use any combination of those in service to others. And I want to make it clear, Maddie, that you, by sharing your experience with us, provide us with an opportunity to grow, to learn. I think for some, this conversation will wake them up. Uh, For others, I think it will support them in understanding that they really are not alone and that there are other possibilities and choices Um, and maybe even for the adult community to stop hiding behind, um, I don't know, our excuses for not wanting to address the situation. So I just want to turn this over to you and ask you to share your story with us. Okay. Um, The guy that I dated for two years and about three months, I've was actually friends with way back when I was younger. We had we were in the same kindergarten class and preschool class together. So we were always friends. And then um, I forget what actually started it, but we just started dating at one point. And um, everything was fine, like the beginning of a relationship, like good feeling and everything. But then there was one night where something was wrong, and he called me and was, very upset, but didn't want to talk about it. So for a few days, I was pretty nervous about what was going on. And um, he ended up, we ended up having a conversation about how he was jealous of my guy friends. And at this point, we had gone to different schools, so he didn't know really who I hung out with or who I talked to, which made him really uncomfortable. And he told me that. And I was in uh, ninth grade at the time, and um, so I was pretty young, and my first response was, it's my fault, I'm sorry, um, I can change, I won't talk to him as much, like, I won't hang out with him as much, and that seemed to be enough, and it was he was pretty happy with that at the time. Um, it kind of, after... Well, as the months went by, it turned into, you need to tell me who you're talking to. You need to tell me who you're hanging out with. Once I did that, it turned into, I don't want you hanging out with them. I don't want you talking to them. And eventually, I didn't really have any other friends to turn to because of that. Mm -hmm. 
Um, also, uh, after about, I don't know, I want to say like eight months-ish, he and my parents started disagreeing a lot, as in my dad had said something to me about it, which I, in turn, said to him, and he got extremely upset. We got in a very big fight. We There's a lot of yelling, and ever since then, he hated my dad, and he saw everything that my dad said or did, and eventually my mom, too, as an act to try to break us up. He got um, very angry all the time whenever I said I was doing something with my family. Um, also, when I was with my friends, he'd get extremely jealous, saying that I was taking away from time from him. Um, just very, very possessive in what I did. I had to call him whenever I had, went out and did something. I had to tell him where I was at all times. Um, he began to tell me what to wear. I couldn't wear shorts to gym. <laughs> um, I had to wear sweatpants all the time. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. There's a lot of stuff. Oh, and there's one particularly weak particular week, which was probably one of the worst that I've ever experienced. Uh, I was in band, and we took a trip to Hawaii for about, I think it was nine days or so. And at first, he seemed like it was okay. Like, it was not a big deal, because I told him early on in the relationship. But as it got closer, he started freaking out, thinking I was going to go and forget about him, talk to guys. It was going to be a very big problem. And while I was there, I had to call him all the time, which ended up me getting up at 5 in the morning to call him because of the time difference between New York and Hawaii. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Um, he said, oh, he said that he talked to one of the people in my band so that they would keep an eye on me so I and report to him if I talked to anybody. Um, I ended up Long story short, I got home, and my dad had pulled up the phone records, and on average, I had called him or he had called me about 40 times a day. <laughs> and my mom had actually gone with me on the trip as a chaperone, and there was a few fights that I had gotten in with her because of it. And long story short, I ruined a once-in-a-lifetime experience because of it, with his help, obviously. <laughs> And I would give a lot to redo it, but I can't, unfortunately. But um, that's when I really kind of realized that something was, like, not right. And most couples don't fight every night on the phone or in person. Um, I began to start to talk to people more and kind of not really tell them what was going on because whenever they asked, I would be like, oh, we're fine. And I'd try to push it aside, kind of make it seem like everything was okay even though I knew it wasn't. I just didn't want people to see that I had this giant blemish in my life, really. Um, we broke up for a while, but we didn't completely sever communication, so we would still talk. And I guess, like, I don't remember exactly what happened, but... We ended up getting back together, but not telling my parents about it because they 
were so against my relationship with him. And so it got to the point, I think it was two or three summers ago, the last summer we were together, we would sneak around in order to see each other. And if I couldn't sneak around to see him or if I couldn't do something, he'd get extremely angry with me. Um, Never to the point where it was physically abusive, but there were a lot of hurtful things (laughs) that were said. And um, I don't know, it was like all I could do was just try to tell him that it's going to be okay and I'm sorry and just try to try to do my best to push it push his anger back I guess and um after a while or at the end of that summer I started like I talked to people more I got some friends so in case something did happen and we broke up I had someone else to turn to because for a while all I had was him and if I didn't, or if I broke up with him, then I wouldn't have had anyone else, which was why I stayed with him for so long. Um, I'd say the the month that I broke up with him was probably, it was very stressful. Um, My parents made me go see a psychologist so I could talk to her about it, and it was... As I talked, I realized more and more that it was such a negative thing that was going on in my life. So at one point, I just, he was yelling at me for something else, and I just snapped. And I told him I never wanted to talk to him again or see him again, and that was it. So let me say this, (laughs) that everything that you've shared moves through the classic has the classic movement that we call the cycles of abuse, and we're getting ready to head to commercial. Uh, But there's a tension-building phase that you talked about that showed up as jealousy. There's the crisis and explosion that had the verbal exchange, which we know is mental abuse, emotional abuse, and it showed up with him being possessive with you, demanding time and attention. Isolation is part of that, keeping your friends at bay, your parents at bay. And then I'm sure somewhere in there, there, well, I'm not. I'm clear. There's a honeymoon phase because after you broke up, you got back together, and yeah. there, you know. And I'm sure there were some stereotypical behaviors associated with that. But we'll talk more about uh, your experience and one that is not uncommon after we come back from this break. You're listening to the gift right here on Voice America. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Who steps up following natural disasters to help those in need? It could be you. It should be you. It's time for you to step up and be the answer. It's time for you to become a student disaster relief volunteer with the National Relief Network. The National Relief Network helps student groups all across the country to bring aid to families who are struggling to rebuild their lives. Show the world what our generation stands for. Contact the National Relief Network. Call 866-2-VOLUNTEER. That's 866-2-VOLUNTEER. Or visit their website at nrn.org. You can help those in need. Gifts are made to be given away. 
give the gift of service to transform this world into a healthier, more loving place. Log on to robertpruitt.com, a motivational speaking and leadership training company to help awaken your leadership gifts. Join other committed individuals and groups to continue the work of teachers like Jesus, Mother Teresa, and His Holiness the Dalai Lama and Gandhi. You are the gift that is needed to turn a vision into reality or to ignite a burning passion in others. Visit robertpruitt.com. Add your gifts of life and love to the world because you were made to share yourself with others. The National Student Leadership Conference proudly sponsors The Gift. From our career-focused leadership conferences to our alumni service program, the National Student Leadership Conference is committed to preparing today's exceptional high school students to serve their communities and the world. For more information on our career-focused leadership programs offered in 15 different career areas, visit nslcleaders.org or call 800-994-6752, 800-994-6752. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Gift with host Robert Pruitt. If you have a question or comment on today's show, please call in to the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Robert at robertpruitt.com. Now, back to the gift. We are talking about teen dating abuse. Uh, Another statistic suggests that one in five teens admits to being emotionally abused in the past year. And I know, Maddie, with our conversation it's about two years or so in, in the past, two years behind you. Uh, but there are still people that are making choices that are unhealthy for them. And one of the things that I know we talked about off-air was moving through, having this discussion move through four A's, which are the four A's associated with change. The first A is awareness, and in your recounting of some of your experiences, you became aware of the forms of manipulation that were in play. Uh, In the domestic violence arena, we refer to it as power and control, and there was emotional abuse where it might be putting you down or calling you a name, causing you to feel bad about yourself, uh, making you feel guilty for listening to your parents, Uh, causing you to feel guilty for having male friends or friends at all, Uh, causing you to feel guilty about your body so you get to cover it up when you go to gym, Uh, causing you to feel guilty about not calling, connecting 40 times or more a day. The second phase after awareness is acknowledgement, and it's a huge piece. It's one thing for something to become part of our consciousness, but for us to actually acknowledge it. For example, you know, if, if there's a stain on the carpet, I can become aware of the stain but never choose to acknowledge it because I can avoid it or I can deny it. But acknowledgement requires that I see that it is what it is um, and that I call a thing a thing. And one of the places where I'd like to just pick up in this context, Maddie, of acknowledgement is the place where you said it really became clear to you that essentially this relationship just was unhealthy. Those are my words. 
but that it wasn't working for you. It was unhealthy. It did not nurture you. It was not loving. So are you aware, as you share more of your story, of anything that you acknowledge to yourself that was part of the change and transformation that resulted in you ultimately leaving that relationship? What did you become? What did you acknowledge? Um, I think the biggest thing that was something that I acknowledged was that when we were on the phone, which was pretty much every night, um, there would be, we would be having a normal conversation and then something would happen literally every night that would cause him to get mad and we would fight and then he would end up saying things that you actually just mentioned, like, if you loved me, then you would do this. And it was essentially a guilt trip every time, and I would always be like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, like, it's my fault. And then I would end up getting frustrated, and this was after I realized that, like, something wasn't right, and this is, it's kind of like a circle. Like, I realized this was happening, and as I realized it, I kind of, like, began to get more angry with him on the phone as well, and I would start fighting back almost and that was when he realized that things weren't exactly going his way anymore because I was kind of developing a kind of like a defense against him subconsciously and that was when I was kind of like something's wrong and kind of like fought against what was happening and that's you know that is part of the conversation, as uh, I alluded to before break, there are essentially three primary steps in the cycle of abuse. The first one is that tension building, and that's where you get angry and pick a fight. So it's perfect that what you acknowledge was the pattern of behavior. We get on the phone, and I'm sure it is a conversation or a moment where at, at some gut level you want it to be loving. You know, you Mm -hmm. want it to be carefree and fun and nurturing and playful, you know, and has that kind of feeling like when you got that. I don't know if you ever got it. I know I used to give them out in elementary school the little note that said, if you like me, check (laughs) No, You know, I mean, who wants to get on in a conversation where it doesn't have that kind of euphoria and childlike um, connection? So, and I'm only imagining, please interrupt anything that's off. Uh, that I say, mm-hmm. um, but to get on the phone hoping for that, yet being aware of and acknowledging that there's a pattern here. We get on mm-hmm. the phone, then he picks a fight, and then it moves into the second phase, which is the explosion. The explosion could be hanging up the phone. Mm-hmm. The explosion could be name-calling or threats. Uh, the explosion could look like, and I don't know if this happened, because I know you said earlier that there was no physical violence, but a lot of times... The things that are physical, are, that we think of as physical, are very stereotypical, like being punched mm-hmm. or thrown across the room. But if you've ever been pushed or shoved, uh, in a heated moment, I would argue if somebody touches you, like when they point their finger and you know, they point it in your chest or tap you on mm-hmm. your shoulder, or if they block your ability to leave the physical environment, like you can't get out of this door because I'm blocking it, those for me fall under physical threats. Um, And those are just variations of it. 
Um, but I just wanted to let you know that what you're describing is part of that cycle of abuse. And there's the tension phase in first one. That's where it kind of builds. The second one is the crisis or explosion where it erupts. It becomes volatile. And then the third one is the, ooh, baby, baby, I'm sorry, uh, manipulative honeymoon period. Mm-hmm. Um, so any other aware or not only awarenesses, but anything else that you acknowledged, either about the relationship, about yourself, about him? Well, there are two things that are coming to mind right now. Um, the first being that you hear all the time that you can tell how a guy would be in a relationship by how he treats his mother. And this guy treated his mom and his dad and his little brother like horribly. I can't even, He had no respect for any of them. And that rubbed off on how he spoke to my parents. He had no respect for my parents. And in the long run, he had no respect for me. And it, I remember bringing it up one point, which, of course, led to a fight. Because I was like, you don't respect me. You don't respect, like, what I want to do, what I want to say, what I want to, like, what I want to have in my life. And it led to him being like you like you said, very not violent, but I guess it's violent when it comes to his words. And it, he doesn't, he, it was just very apparent that in all aspects of his life that it was like that. Um, the second thing that made me kind of aware of what was going on was in my health class. Um, I didn't have health with him, but part of health class was on, like, like we had like a sex unit and part of the sex unit was talking about sexual abuse and teen dating, teen violence, that kind of stuff. And we had a guest speaker that handed out a worksheet that said, like listed a whole bunch of different aspects of relationship violence and like relationship abuse. And it was a checklist. And as I went through the checklist, I checked yes for every single one. And that was when I realized, that was like the defining moment when I realized that I needed to get out. I love it. So the checklist allowed you to acknowledge. That was the main thing, yeah, because it was, I don't remember specifically what was on the checklist, but there's definitely, if he gets jealous when you hang out with other people, mm-hmm. if he only wants you to be with him, if he doesn't like when you, I don't know, wear a certain type of clothing, if he gets mad at you a lot, if you cry a lot, like all these different things, I can just, I can't remember all of them, but I can just imagine what they were, and I just remember going through, checking through every single one of them, and then sitting there staring at it, and then like (laughs) turning over the paper so no one else would see it, and just listening to the lesson as it went on. One of the, well, let me make this clear, that the cycle of abuse for youth and adults is exactly the same. It is, uh, it's, it's our experiences that alter um, the way we behave as we move through those three cycles. So for you and your, your ex, you know, there may not have been a lot of economic issues. 
um, because you all weren't living together, so there was no withholding of money. But I could argue there could still be an economic impact. Uh, anybody that wants to be manipulative and or coercive, and manipulation just means to be handled skillfully, could say, well, I'm not paying for this movie. If you really want to go, then you pay. So, you know, even though in, if you will, in the, for me, the 40 and over crew, it could look like um, I handle all the money, you don't get to touch any, I give you an allowance. Uh, the teenage and college-age version of it could look like, well, since you know, we don't live together and we don't share finances, I can still manipulate the situation by making you pay for dinner, you pay for the movies, and I'll use some form of guilt or create a guilt trip that lands. And one of the things that I just want to make clear before we go to break is that, and you've said it several times, you talked about guilt, and it is one of the strongest tools. Guilt and shame is never something that anybody else imposes on us. It's something we impose on ourselves because guilt, by definition, means I've done something bad. And so that's how he could work that. As long as you believed you had done something bad, then he could operate out of you didn't call. There you go. Checklist for something I've done bad. You hung out with your male friends, and you could check the list. I've done something bad. And shame means I'm a bad person. And this has everything to do with how we see ourselves. And how we see ourselves or hold ourselves in the world is really what we call value. Esteem is how I hold myself within myself. How do I think about myself has everything to do with whether I experience low or high self-esteem. And self-worth is what I require of others. And in situations where there is a struggle for power and control, our self-worth is diminished because we are operating out of a sense of guilt and or shame. When we come back from the break, we're going to pick up and move into acceptance, the third A. You're listening to The Gift right here on Voice America. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. The National Student Leadership Conference proudly sponsors The Gift. From our career-focused leadership conferences to our alumni service program, the National Student Leadership Conference is committed to preparing today's exceptional high school students to serve their communities and the world. For more information on our career-focused leadership programs offered in 15 different career areas, visit nslcleaders.org or call 800-994-6752. 800-994-6752. Mom? Dad? How long should I wait for you? Mom? If I'm at soccer practice. What if something happens? Will you come get me? There's no reason not to have a plan in case of a terrorist attack. Mom, if you're not home, should we go to the neighbor's house? And some extremely good reasons why you should. Can you tell me? Everybody should have a plan. Take five minutes to talk about where you'll meet and how you'll get in touch with each other in an emergency. For other things you can do to be prepared, visit www.ready.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. Gifts are made to be given away. Give the gift of service to transform this world into a healthier, more loving place. Log on to robertpruitt.com, a motivational speaking and leadership training company to help awaken your leadership gifts. 
Join other committed individuals and groups to continue the work of teachers like Jesus, Mother Teresa, and His Holiness the Dalai Lama and Gandhi. You are the gift that is needed to turn a vision into reality or to ignite a burning passion in others. Visit robertpruitt.com. Add your gifts of life and love to the world because you were made to share yourself with others. Haiti has been hit hard by a massive earthquake. Hundreds of thousands of children and families are suffering and without basic necessities. Save the Children is on the scene to save lives. Your donation is urgently needed. Call 1-800-SAVE-THE-CHILDREN or go online at savethechildren.org. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Gift with host Robert Pruitt. If you have a question or comment on today's show, please call in to the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Robert at robertpruitt.com. Now, back to The Gift. Teen violence teen dating as it relates to uh, domestic abuse, domestic violence, domestic assault is the topic uh, that we are addressing today. And the reason I've elected to take this on is because it is one of the ways that we neglect ourselves. Um, when we stay in relationships that are unhealthy, and please understand, I get that there are a variety of reasons that men and women stay in abusive relationships. I absolutely get that. Um, I still get that it's a choice, and I also recognize that that is an unfavorable position to hold. It was unfavorable while I was doing trainings. It was unfavorable when I spoke to women and children in shelters. It was unfavorable when I spoke to them in front of uh, the NOW organization and a myriad of domestic violence organizations. It is still a choice. And um, part of this, I think the, the reason for doing this show is to at least have us become aware of the choice that we're making. And if it is an unhealthy choice that does not promote growth, does not allow us to experience joy and freedom and to experience empathy and acts of kindness, then we get to make another choice, regardless of how difficult it is. Um, and so in this conversation, you know, again, pulling from the statistic that I gave at the top of the hour, one in 10 girls and one in 11 boys admits to having experienced physical violence in a dating relationship in the past year. One in three teens say they know someone who has been physically assaulted or hurt by a dating partner. And I want to make it clear you know, that my guest, Maddie, has made it clear that there was no physical abuse in the relationship. And, and I'm actually glad for that on a number of reasons, or for a number of reasons, but more so because I think that is how we define whether or not we're in abusive relationships. Oh, well, he or she is not hitting me. Uh, he or she is not sexually assaulting me. So this must not be uh, you know, an abusive relationship. We're just still getting to know each other. Or my partner has a whole lot going on in his or her life, and they just need to get through that, and then everything will be okay. Versus understanding that mental 
abuse and emotional abuse, anytime you can uh, be encouraged to feel guilty about not having called, encouraged to feel guilty about not having friends or having friends in your life that you need to let go, one of the, one of the wonderful constructs on the power and control wheel, if you will, is that there is a need to isolate that partner so that they become reliant on the person that is, you know, the one that is in the abusive situation. And what I can tell you, dealing with men as the perpetrator, and please understand women are abusive to men, um, but going with my personal experience having worked with men for several years, it's amazing how there is an issue with their esteem, their value, and their worth in that order. And most of the time, the reason anytime we find ourselves in a struggle for power and control in any relationship is because we believe we're not enough. And so the only way we can feel good about ourselves is to control something else. And in controlling it, then we define our worth based on our ability to control, which is why a lot of times the, the, the abuse escalates. Because it can start as turning your back and giving you a cold shoulder, and you may have experienced that, Maddie. You know, the not calling or not saying anything on the phone. Those are wonderful forms of manipulation and coercion. And then asking, you ask him what's wrong, and he goes, nothing, you don't really care. That's a great way to pull you in to the conflict. And when you stop biting on that bait, then he or she has to escalate the game in order to get the attention they want because they derive a sense of worth through attracting you into their dysfunctionalism. And so, you know, part of the reason why we end up with domestic violence. But going back to the four A's, we dealt with the awareness of you being in an unhealthy relationship, or at least the awareness that the behaviors just didn't feel good. Um, and then moving into your acknowledgement, and I love the piece where you talked about being in health class, and you went through that assessment and checked off everything on the assessment that not only woke you up to the patterns of behavior, but put, placed you in a situation or provided you with an opportunity to acknowledge, yes, these are the things that I'm experiencing. So the third A is acceptance. What have you come to accept, Maddie? Um, I come to accept that it happened, and, you know, I feel sometimes that they're, like, I'm probably the only one that I know that could pull a silver lining off of this, but because of what had happened and that I accepted that it happened, I have worked tirelessly since then to prevent any negativity in my life. And I can easily say that even if I'm going through an extremely rough patch now, instead of acting like I did when I was with him and I was very negative and very sad all the time, I can easily just be like, it'll work itself out, but at the same time, help to work it out. But I'll, instead of being negative about it, I'll be positive and be like, I can fix this, I can help this, and I can do it with a smile on my face because I know that not many things in life will get be as bad as that was. And because I was so 
de- like, I don't want to say depressed, but that's what it seemed like. Because I was so depressed all the time when I was with him, I've made sure that everything I've done since then has been positive, has been very upbeat, and I try to seem like a very easygoing person because I never want to be in a kind of situation like that again and never put anyone in a situation like that again. And I just feel like once I accepted that, I I was able to just be exactly who I am today. So when, while you were going through your process, and in particular, once you all finally cut ties, Mm -hmm. did you become aware of, acknowledge, and accept any of your inner conversations? Like, I'm not good enough, not lovable enough, or I am good enough, I am lovable enough, I am special. Did you have any of those conversations, and if so, did you have you accepted them? Yeah, I did, but I don't think that it was really with myself that I had those kind of conversations. It kind of came gradually through other people because when I was with him, all I heard were negative comments. I never really got any true compliment from him, and when I did, it was like a huge deal. It was like the best day ever. Because now, like, I'll hear compliments like, oh, I like your shirt, I like your shoes, and, like, you look nice today. And I never got that from him. And when I did, it, I felt like a million dollars that day. But since, like, after we broke up, I didn't actually have conversations with myself about my self-esteem or about what you just mentioned. It kind of, once other people, well, once I became closer with other people, I heard it on an almost daily basis. Like, not specifically, like, how I look or something, but just, like, little positive things about myself that really helped me get through what it was and kind of definitely shaped how, or definitely just made me see how bad it actually was. And so what are some of the things, and this actually moves into the last A, which is action. That's okay. Um <laughs> What are some of the things that you might say to yourself that are loving, that honor you, that you accept as true? Um, I'm not sure. I know... I'm actually having a tough time with this question. Um... Well, let me ask it this way. You said that you choose to be a positive person and that no matter what situation you're going through, that you can greet it with a smile. Mm -hmm. Who would you need to be? What values or characteristics would you need to tap into in order to say that? Well, I feel like a characteristic of mine that in order to say something like that would be just to, like, see everything like it has a silver lining, like the glass is half full. And going from there, I'm able to kind of tell myself, if I, like, write something down, I'll be able to reread it and be like, wow, that is pretty good. And then I could go back later, look at it again, and either make corrections on it or, like, or make it better in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, I could... 
did I say something that I think that was either really funny or, you know, really deep or whatever, I could, I can tell myself that it was good without having fear of someone else being like, why would you say that? That was a horrible thing to say. I can't believe you just said that and be extremely negative about it. Yes. And let me, let me interrupt because we're about to go to our last break. Okay. And I want you to sit with this question over the break because it, it may tie into the actions that you continue to take long after this call has ended uh, that supports your healing. If you can laugh through something, or the last statement you made, that I can say something and see it as good, then maybe what you can also interpret from that is, I'm somebody who is expressive, and let that be part of the truth of who you are. I am somebody who has an opinion and a point and a perspective that gets to be shared, heard, and seen, and I get to be courageous in my attempts open my mouth and to share who I am. Those are the loving, nurturing things that you get to say to yourself daily that not only combat that experience, but that continue to honor who you are. And it's a gift you share with yourself. We're going to talk more about this when we come back from the break. You're listening to The Gift right here on Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Gifts are made to be given away. Give the gift of service to transform this world into a healthier, more loving place. Log on to RobertPruitt.com, a motivational speaking and leadership training company to help awaken your leadership gifts. Join other committed individuals and groups to continue the work of teachers like Jesus, Mother Teresa, and His Holiness the Dalai Lama and Gandhi. You are the gift that is needed to turn a vision into reality or to ignite a burning passion in others. Visit RobertPruitt.com. Add your gifts of life and love to the world because you were made to share yourself with others. The National Student Leadership Conference proudly sponsors The Gift. From our career-focused leadership conferences to our alumni service program, the National Student Leadership Conference is committed to preparing today's exceptional high school students to serve their communities and the world. For more information on our career-focused leadership programs offered in 15 different career areas, visit nslcleaders.org or call 800-994-6752. 800-994-6752. Who steps up following natural disasters to help those in need? It could be you. It should be you. It's time for you to step up and be the answer. It's time for you to become a student disaster relief volunteer with the National Relief Network. The National Relief Network helps student groups all across the country to bring aid to families who are struggling to rebuild their lives. Show the world what our generation stands for. Contact the National Relief Network. Call 866-2-VOLUNTEER. That's 866 866- to volunteer or visit their website at nrn.org. You can help those in need. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to The Gift with host Robert Pruitt. If you have a question or comment on today's show, please call in to the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's one 472 5788 
That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Robert at robertpruitt.com. Now, back to the gift. We're talking about teen domestic violence. And uh, Maddie, tell me what did, what came up for you during the break. Um, well, before break, you had talked about like actions that I've taken and all that stuff, and which got me thinking about how when I was with him, it was extremely hard for me to voice my opinions without feel it, having some kind of repercussion. And because of that, it actually shaped who I am today in a way that I'm very, very opinionated. And it, I feel like, I, I don't know, I feel extremely bad or not myself if I don't voice how I feel at the point in time. So if something comes up, someone says something that I'm uncomfortable with, I'll immediately point it out. And even if it has, like, negative repercussions because of it, I feel like if I don't say something about it, it just, for some reason, it brings me kind of not... It doesn't bring me back to the point in time where I literally could not say anything about it, but it just makes me feel kind of uncomfortable about that kind of thing. I don't know. It's kind of a weird... I feel like it's kind of like a subconscious response to not being able to say what I can at that point in time. So given that is one of your actions now, which is to, you know, to speak up. And here's what yeah. I would say about that. It is easier, and I probably said this when we were together in November, it is easier to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask permission. And so, you know, your pendulum is swinging to the other end. You were on the abusive side, so now you're swinging to the loving side, the do or die at all costs, I'm going to speak my mind because I know how awful it felt not to say anything. And so it'll level out at some point in time. Uh, I want to ask you, based on your reasoning for having this show, this discussion, what actions can our listeners take who might either have a friend that's going through the situation, they themselves are going through it, or maybe even a family member? Okay, well, if anyone ever has some kind of, thought that this could be happening to them or someone I know, they've been listening to this show and thinking, oh, wait, that's happened to me or that's happened to my friend, then the best course in action is to do something immediately about it because life is not good if that goes on through it because it's like it's so much better afterwards. And something I actually found today was this website teensagainstabuse.org. It's an organization called TEAR, T-E-A-R, which is Teens Experiencing Abusive Relationships, which goes through everything that we've gone through today and gives so many different um, hotlines that someone could call in that are like, not just for teens, but also for adults and victims of something along this lines. It's just, it would definitely help if you do something about it instead of just sitting back for months or years, as I did. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I'm, I'm thankful that your situation resulted in you being able to leave, um, to be a, being able to leave. Um, I know personally stories of women who have fought back 
in an unfair system where, and even men that have fought back, the men that fight back, and I don't mean that physically, I mean the men that speak up, that say this isn't working, get clowned because men are supposed to be macho and not supposed to be taken advantage of by a woman. The women that speak up, uh, that express defiance you know, with respect to the abuse, oftentimes uh, end up in the court systems um, because of them fearing for the safety of themselves, the safety particularly of family members. Um, and when you get into a parent that is fearful of their children or child being injured, you know, sometimes what is expressed ends up in, you know, murder. And I only bring that out to say that these things really do hinder our ability to serve. And so to be able to take the advice or the suggestions that you've offered um, and, and take a look at, is this a loving experience? And if not, what would it be like to just leave on that first inkling, male or female, heterosexual or homosexual experience, does not matter to me. When the inkling says, this thing ain't working for me, if you're not used to speaking it, what would it be like to email it, text it, write it down and mail it, fax it? I mean, smoke signals something that gets that out so that you can find out from this partner, this potential love interest, whether or not this is somebody that's going to operate out of power and control, which is fear-based, or equality, which is love-based. And the hardest thing to do that i found is to really take a stand for who you are. I mean, at all costs. And there are some people that, that have... You know, they do it with great ease. They're not going to sacrifice anything, and I think their pendulum swings to the side where it's hard for them to even be in relationships because they're so all about themselves uh, that they don't make room for anybody else to be in it. But to be able to say this does not feel good and not have to explain it away I think would be one of the actions. This, this just doesn't feel like love. Love doesn't feel you telling me I can't call this person or i got to wear gym shorts or I can't talk to my parents or before you came into my life, there was no strife. Now you're in my life and there's strife. Okay, something's got to change. Uh, this does not look like, smell like, taste like, or feel like love. And so, you know, I thank you, Maddie, for, for again, your vulnerability um, and your willingness to serve through contacting me. And, you know, I always encourage a listening audience to make this show work for you. Um, and so, you know, I would say to you, if there's anything else that comes up for you, you know, please let me know. Um, but what you shared is powerful. Um, I got the emotions that came up in the first segment. And so I am clear that you are still in a healing process. And uh, I pray that this experience will leapfrog you into a, a deeper sense of healing and a greater sense of self-love. And so I thank you, Maddie, for sharing. Well, I thank you for having me. My pleasure. Uh, you've been listening to Maddie uh, sharing her story um, regarding her experience of teenage domestic violence. Um, you know, the statistics are staggering, and especially the one that says one and out of one out of every three teens, male or female, will experience an abusive relationship. 
if you are experiencing something that does not feel right in your relationship, that feels like mental, emotional, physical abuse, uh, there are threats and you're being asked to isolate yourself or to behave in a way that just does not feel comfortable, I invite you to call 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Or you can contact Girls and Boys Town at 1-800-448-3000. Girls and Boys Town, 1-800-448-3000. And the National Domestic Violence Hotline is one 800 Seven nine nine seven two three three. Tips that may support you: uh, the cycles of abuse start with tension building, angry, picking fights, uh, sounding or being jealous. Second phase is crisis and explosion. There's hitting, smacking, pushing, touching. Uh, some type of sexual uh, touching can be a part of that. Throwing remotes or things around the house can be part of that. Uh, and then there's the honeymoon phase, where there's apology and acts of kindness and affection and promises to change. I really want you to take this on, because the gifts that you have are tainted when we allow ourselves to be in situations that are abusive and dysfunctional and unhealthy. And everything we need is in every one of us. It's part of the reason why I play this song at the end of each show. So... Like Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, I hope you will click your heels and take a deep breath and go back to that place that's familiar to you, which is the inner you. That's home. And for me, the inner me is where God is. Thank you for listening to The Gift right here on Voice America. You've been listening to The Gift. Join your host, Robert Pruitt, again next Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Thank you again for spending part of your weekend with us. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.